welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, Jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, the lovely and hilarious comedian, writer, actress, human just trying to human, Please welcome Mac Ruiz. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. You've chosen a movie that is very special to you. But before we get into that, we're going to ask a couple questions to get a sense of what kind of movie viewer you are. Awesome. Starting with, what was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters? I don't remember, but I've been told that as a very small baby, I was taken to see Titanic in theaters. Oh. <laughs> yeah. My mom and my older sister and I, baby, baby me, all went and saw Titanic. And it was always like a story in the fam because I, I guess I was completely quiet the entire time. I think I was less than a year old. And I, yeah, my mom was always just like, she didn't make a sound. So apparently I love the soundtrack to Titanic. Yeah. You find the sound of icebergs soothing. I guess. Yeah. Honestly though, I did like a few days ago, which could be three months ago in my mind and my reality, but I put it on while I was in bed and I think I fell asleep like immediately. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was going to ask you that. I was going to be like, have you tried putting it on and seeing if it puts you to sleep? <laughs> yeah, it worked. It worked. Nice. Good sleep aid. Titanic. And it's also so funny because that is the first movie that I remember seeing in theaters, but I was no way, really? bigger than a baby. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is there a movie that you actually remember seeing when you were a little bit older? I remember like very vividly seeing, um, because I loved the book and my mom took my best friend and I to go see it, uh, Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And I remember I was in elementary school when we read it. We went and saw it and I remember reading the book and I cried, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read Bridge to Terabithia and like is also an adult listening to podcasts who wants to read. No shame. No, like I'm not. That's how like I'm like making fun of those people. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. We can make fun of them. It's okay. (laughs) I mean, you missed your chance, (laughs) dude. But spoiler, the girl dies. And I remember like crying so much. I cried and I cried. And I, I remember my mom being like, don't get too emotional. Like it's gonna like oh. remember that she dies. Okay. And I was like, okay. And then we went and saw the movie and I was bawling. Aww. Like I was crying so hard. And I knew that she was gonna die. But like the scene, honestly though, like if I watched it now, I'd probably like I feel so bad. I'd probably laugh because it was like it was like pretty cheesy. Yeah. She's like she's because she like dies swinging on a rope over a river that's like not really a river, but she just like dies. Yeah. And I think she could have survived in real life. She just like disappears. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's been a long time, but yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that, and I was just like, I'm I'm a movie crier. I am like so I'm an anything crier really, but like TV shows and movies, I will cry over anything really like I get so emotionally invested me too it's it's gotten I was gonna say worse but it's gotten better actually as I've gotten older better in the sense that I can let it out more now because it used to just be like movies would make me want to cry but I'd be like no I gotta hold this together and now I'm just like who gives a fuck and now yeah it's good for you yeah yeah it's good for you yeah yeah I remember that book crying a lot of that book but I don't think I ever saw the movie so that was the first movie 
you remember? And then what was the first movie you remember seeing in theaters without any parents or any kind of supervising adults? After like sixth grade, I think my mom would just kind of drop me off Hell yeah. at the movies. And so I've seen so <laughs> many movies without her. And was it just you alone or would you go pick up a friend on the way? Honestly, I would go alone sometimes. Oh yeah. I, there were, there were plenty of times where I had like, you know, my best friend or like a few friends, but mm-hmm. there were, there were times where she like, you know, had to do errands in town. We lived outside of town and in town was the movie theater and she had to do errands and not, there was a movie I wanted to see and she would just drop me off and I'd go in there and yeah. And then she would pick me up after. And I don't know the first, I remember seeing, I think I remember seeing some Harry Potter film without her do you remember one of the first times that you did that like the feeling that you got of like being able to go alone I think honestly it's not like a if I were to really truly remember that experience I don't think it would be a happy memory which is maybe why I can't remember because I truly don't I don't like to be alone and I separated from my parents at a pretty young age as a teenager and so like I think I always wanted my mom to be with me it probably wasn't a very like happy experience I'm sure like I enjoyed the movie and I'm sure there was a time when I was with friends and had so much fun, but like, I think like my mom was my movie buddy. That was like one of the few things that we like really shared together that in books. And I just, yeah, I like, that was like such a special thing, like going and seeing a movie with my mom. It was like seeing a movie with my best friend. Yeah. It's probably why I don't really remember. I think. Yeah. That makes total sense. It it wasn't like a, yay, I'm independent. It was like, oh man, my buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was more like that. Do you remember any time in high school or after of just like a really fun movie time going with friends or birthday party or something yeah okay so I remember with going with like a group of friends it was like me and girlfriends and some like boys <laughs> some boys <laughs> and I remember we Prometheus was like rated R and I remember we all snuck in nice like we got tickets to another movie we walked in we must have just really not we weren't being very like coy and <laughs> We sat down and we found our seats and we were like, oh my God, we're doing it. And then like, we see this like flashlight and they're like, you got to go kids. And we were like, no. (laughs) So we saw like the first, maybe a little bit less than half of Prometheus. And that was pretty funny. And we were all like, we have to see the rest. Like, you know, and yeah, uh, it was was pretty funny. I remember that being a pretty funny experience. Yeah, that is is the classic experience. Like everyone, any kid who ever goes to the theaters needs to at some point do the sneaking into the rated R movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like a rite of passage. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you ever get to see the rest of the movie ever? <laughs> no. And honestly, I don't I must have just not cared that much about Prometheus. Because <laughs> well, also the first half wasn't that good. Sorry, Prometheus fans. No, I know okay. you guys are diehards out there. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but yeah, I don't know that it's like, oh, you have to see it. I have to see you have to see Alien, but the first one. Oh yeah. But yeah, Prometheus. Absolutely. So I worked in a movie theater for a couple of years, which is why why and when I started this podcast. And before that, it was always like, how do they know? Like, how do they know when you're not supposed to be in the auditorium? And if it's a full auditorium, it's, there's a pretty good chance you'll get away with it. Or if it's like mostly full, you can sneak into like the front row and stuff like that. But the problem is like we count tickets. So it'll be like, oh, today eight tickets were sold to Prometheus. You walk into Prometheus and there's eight people and then four kids in the front. <laughs> You know, you're like, oh, they're not, they're the ones. That's so funny because I remember Prometheus, the theater was packed. Oh, it was? And they still found yeah. you? Dang. Yeah. And I wonder if like maybe other people were like, 
Like maybe like some person was like, there's children in here. Mm, maybe. Or especially if you guys were giggling, you were like, we're not supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably was happening. We're children. We're children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's always a fun time. Besides the movie that we're talking about today, can you tell me about one of your other favorite movies of all time and why? So hard. I feel like, like I I'm just such a movie fan that I feel like it's like, I feel like I don't have kids. I feel like it's like being asked to pick my favorite child. <laughs> Understandable. It's just so hard. Because yeah. like then all the other movies are going to know I didn't pick them. I would say that um, Coraline was a huge movie for me. I grew up really probably from about like age 13 to 20 I was pretty like heavily invested in comic books and I loved Neil Gaiman I just remember when Coraline came out I had never seen any content of it before and I hadn't read the book I didn't know it existed but I knew who Neil Gaiman was and I remember seeing it and I, I also loved I'm just such a big animated movie fan and I also love, it's Dakota Fanning, right? That does her voice. Yes. I love her. It's like, it's so hard for me because I have such selective memory. And I also have such low like self-confidence that I'm like, I know these things, but also <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love, I love Dakota Fanning. There were, there were all these elements where I was just like drawn to the movie. And then I watched it and I also, I also love horror. And it's like the X that you have that you look back on and everyone was just like, why are you dating that person? Like, <laughs> like, ew. Yeah. You know, like to me, it was, it was just for whatever reason, it was this like perfect mix of everything that I love. It made me feel really good feelings. Like when I would watch it, which is funny because it has this like underlying tone of like eerie sort of like vibes. And mm-hmm. like, it's, it is, it's a dark story. It's a really dark story. Like if you actually, you're paying attention to what the storyline is, it's, it's terrible. And I think that was part of something that I like attached to as well, because I, which is why I love horror, just because those sort of things have always, I've been drawn to because I experienced a lot of not of the greatest things as a child and as like mostly as like a teenager that like those kind of things were almost like I would take solace in them because it, it was something that felt worse than whatever I was dealing with. And so I like identified with that and it just became this like comfort movie for me. The the animation, the dark colors, like I remember so many times putting it on. It kind of fell off of doing that because I become a little bit more sensitive. But I, you know, maybe like two years ago I did that. I would just put it on and I would just fall asleep. It just became just this sense of comfort. Yeah. It's funny. It's a little creepy. Mm-hmm. It's animated very well. The voice, voice actors are really, really talented just was a really like a big movie that I just like clung to that totally makes sense to me and I really resonated with what you were saying about like going through difficult stuff in your childhood and then seeing dark things on screen having that be comforting I had that with like various shows but one that has made me think about it a lot lately I loved the book series Anne of Green Gables did you ever read those oh I don't think I ever read that but was it ever was it was a tv show It was a TV show in the 80s, and then they just remade it most recently, like in the past like five or six years. They did another TV series, and there's also a movie, I think, and I've I've seen all of them, but not 
I haven't seen the older ones recently. The thing about Anne of Green Gables, the books, is that she is like very traumatized. Like she's had a horrible, she came from an orphanage and there's all this abuse and stuff, but the books play it off like very, they dance around it very carefully because they're actually these like heartwarming, uplifting, very like positive flowers, yay stuff in the book, which as a kid I found comforting, but also I was like, I can relate to the like bad stuff they're hinting at. I can't relate to like the flowers and all that because that's just not how I feel having been through similar things, which is what I love about the new show that they made because in that one, they actually are showing the dark aspects of the abuse that she went through. And yeah, it makes you feel so seen because you're like, hey, like things don't have to just be like positive, you know, bad things happen. (laughs) It's just validating. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm super interested to to watch that now. I I would be really interested to see that because, I mean, and that's part of the reason why I chose the movie that we're going to talk about is because it's like, it's about being seen. It's about digesting some form of content where you're like oh that uh, other people have experienced what I've experienced it's the things that I've experienced that are bad I think it's really artful to be able to do that in a way where there is some sort of like a duvet cover of putting on like this sort of like positive flowery sort of like little blanket over it and then like inside is like the dark stuff you know so you can like digest it and maybe like identify with it at first and then kind of have the opportunity to be exposed to those sort of darker things totally and I I respect both interpretations because like the original series was like completely faithful to the book and it was like you say duvet over the the dark stuff so it's like palatable and I totally respect that representation and then I also like just really love the representation where it's like actually trauma <laughs> like yeah that's, that's my jam but I love them both yeah surprise trauma <laughs> oh I had one question about Coraline did you ever dye your hair blue or sew buttons on your eyes <laughs> well <laughs> why do you think I wear glasses <laughs> Um, no, I never did. I think I still have it. I bought a yellow raincoat. Yeah. That's as far as you went for a cosplay though, Coraline. Yeah, it's funny. I never cosplayed as Coraline, but this year, I think I I could. I actually haven't considered it. I think I could this year because my hair is like the right length. Ooh, fun. So actually, yeah, maybe there's going to be a little bit of Coraline cosplay. That'd be fun. So you've kind of touched on this already, but overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies and how they've affected you? My relationship with movies is probably the strongest, most consistent relationship I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I I love movies. Movies have always been a part of my life. They've always been something that I have snuggled up to for various different to to fill various different voids in my life very very complex relationship too I think I think there's layers I mean a I don't like to be alone I struggle really with being alone and I have really bad anxiety so when I am alone it's very hard for me to quiet my thoughts so I always have music or a podcast or a movie or a show going on and as a kid it was either like a tv show or a movie like a dvd podcasts weren't really popular then and I just never, I wasn't really like a big music guy when I was a kid. So movies have kind of always filled that void and still do. I also remember at a very young age, I've always loved horror. And I remember at a very young age, my aunt, I was staying with her. I would stay with her occasionally on the weekends. And I remember looking through her movies and she had Jeepers Creepers. She was like, you can pick a movie. You can pick a scary movie. But she was like, whichever one you pick, no matter how scared you are, you have to watch to the end. 
Oh, dang. Clockwork orange style. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that now and I'm like, she's so sick. Like, <laughs> what, what a bitch. Yeah, not cool. But she told me that and I was like, okay. Like, it was like eight. Dang. <laughs> I know. You can be traumatized or whatever trauma you pick, you have to stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so I was like eight and she, and I, I picked Jeepers Creepers and we put it on. And I, have you seen Jeepers Creepers? I have it. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> scary it's so scary it's so scary like even I've tried to watch it as an adult and it's scary it's like one of the scariest movies of all time dude what's about a serial killer that's not even like fun horror (laughs) no it's about a serial killer who like wakes up every like 100 years and like has like wings and like attacks like a school bus it's terrible I don't know I I don't really remember but it's bad it's so bad and I just remember like crying and she was like you have to keep watching it oh my gosh I I know and I like and I so I watched the whole thing wow but it did instill this sort of like fearlessness in me. I since then have always have been seeking out like I have like an insatiable hunger for horror. Not so much anymore. I think it kind of died off around probably like probably like 18 or 20 because I just became like I said, I just became more of a sensitive person. Mm-hmm. I always have been, but I think I just don't have as much of a stomach for it anymore. I and mean, I think it served a purpose, like my obsession with horror. I think it served a purpose when I was just like a really like going through a lot teenager phase. Yeah. So like that, that was like a formative experience. And I remember hanging out with friends, like having sleepovers. Like I was always just like, let's watch a movie. And I now like, I just love consuming. I get really emotionally attached to fictional characters. Hmm. it's almost like toxic like I almost just like become like too invested and like every movie I watch every single movie I watch I find a way to make it mean something to me I love that so yeah it's a it's a complicated and complex relationship but it's something that I'm really like appreciative of because I've had friends who are just kind of like really don't care for movies too much yeah, that's it's interesting because on this show I've had some people on who are either kind of like, eh, they're indifferent to movies. And then I had one guest who like actively doesn't like movies. But when I sit them down and ask them these questions, it becomes pretty clear that they have a lot more complex feelings than they realize. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's interesting. I mean, I love movies and I'm I like, mean visual media, visual media, it can do incredible things to you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like I've seen like art installations that include visual media of like like Sort of like a film aspect or something like a tv or like a projector or something and somehow it just feels more emotional like it just it triggers more senses in your body totally well like from a psychology perspective um something i learned that like blew my mind and now i always use to be mindful about what i watch or what i choose to watch repeatedly or how much of one thing i'll sit down and watch which is basically your brain does believe what it sees like it like that's why you have a physiological reaction someone's being stabbed you might like flinch or feel kind of your like adrenaline or rise and all that you'll your body will have a reaction as if it's actually happening in front of you or to you really yeah and then they found that that extends also to very specifically watching healthy relationships and healthy family relationships They found that having people who grew up in abusive families watch TV shows and movies about healthy families, like significantly improved their mental health and their ability to like imagine 
a healthy family like to, to no believe way. yeah to like believe in that and after that so now I'm like very mindful of like I really need to wow. watch some healthy families that is so wild I had no idea I wish someone would have told me that 15 years ago <laughs> me too me are too. you kidding yeah that's so that's like that should be taught in history books or not history less science book For I don't real, know like, yeah you should know that like immediately <laughs> I know like you should be born and they should like pick you up and like wipe you off and be like I need you to know this like that is just I because yeah. I've watched so many dysfunctional family shows like mm-hmm. but I do remember yeah. like loving like I uh rest in peace Bob Saget I remember like being obsessed with full house and maybe that mm. was sort of like that element where I was just like craving that sort of like stable family environment yeah and and I remember you know what show I had to stop watching shameless I remember it's like about a very dysfunctional family it's really really sad there's a lot of like so much trauma I remember like being super into it like the first season and maybe it was because there were a lot of elements that I identified with of like having a dysfunctional family but Mm. then at one point like I felt like physically ill watching it and couldn't keep watching it like not that anything was like too too terrible but like I remember there were a couple scenes where I was like you know what I don't want to consume this I know that this is affecting me and I don't want to consume this. Yeah. I've always thought that there was value in that and, and sort of for many reasons, filtering like what it, what it is that you consume. I mean, especially just, just like hyper consume, especially me mm-hmm. for someone who like fills so many voids with, you know, media, mm-hmm. but it, I've always known that that's been like an important thing to be aware of. But now that you told me that, I mean, I want you to tell the world that like, I feel like everyone should just know <laughs> that. I feel like every day I'm just going to wake yeah. up and tweet that. Yeah. I have, I've brought it up in multiple episodes and yeah, like I know I texted it to people after I read it in that book. <laughs> Yeah, and the one show that they recommend, if you want to add this to your list of things to consume, and I've watched this show four times in a row because of this, because of that very reason, Parenthood. Oh, I think I've, I've heard about this. It has like a, a pretty big following, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's over now, but the, one of the great things about it is it's not, because it doesn't work if the family seems like fake or something, but it is a realistic family that has a lot of issues and a lot of questions and fights come up, but they always resolve them in a healthy way. Like they always talk through things and like figure things out in the end, really? not in a like toxic stomp it down and pretend it didn't happen way. They process through things and like figure shit out together. That's amazing. Yeah. And it, it, I just looked it up and Lauren Graham is in it and I love Lauren Graham. Yeah. It's got a great cast too. Everyone on there is solid. It's funny. I mean, it's not funny, but I do not gravitate towards shows like that. I just don't. Yeah. I didn't used to either until, yeah. It's funny because this is a really funny way to go into talking about the movie that I chose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fair. Oh my God. (laughs) See, I told you I should have known this 15 years ago. (laughs) Well, now we know and we'll tell everybody 15 before their 15 years passes. Yeah. I'm going to scream it from the freaking mountaintop, dude. I'm going to be out on downtown Santa Cruz, like Pacific Ave, just like on a box with like a megaphone. And people are like, oh my God, she's talking about religion. I'm going to be like, my friend told me that psychologically if you watch positive family shows um, yeah no that's that's definitely that's a, that's a good thing to tell people I'm, I'm glad that you have this platform to do that your brain believes what you see that's what I always try to remind myself your brain believes what you see mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's crazy this is the space where the ads go Welcome to the Phantom Dude Box. I'm Ty. And I'm Joe. And we're two musicians that dive into the world of music, its myths, 
conspiracies, and bizarre music history. We discuss things like, did Elvis fake his own death? Is Stevie Wonder really blind? Is Dolly Parton's husband actually real? Find out all that and more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or your favorite streaming service. Hi, I'm Milk, and this is a promo for my podcast, Nymphomercial, where me and my co-host review hentai, both enthusiastically and regrettably. So if that sounds like a good time to you, find Nymphomercial wherever you get podcasts. Oh my god, I have so many things to say about that, but I'm I'm gonna gonna stifle them so we can talk about this movie. Hopefully we can talk about it another time. But yeah, sure. we gotta, I mean, we get to talk about this movie now. We do. So the movie that we're talking about today is based on a 1993 memoir by American author Susanna Kaysen. She wrote the memoir about her experiences in the Harrisburg State Psychiatric Hospital in the 1960s, where she stayed for 18 months from age 19 to 20-ish. The same year that the book was published in 1993, Columbia Pictures and a number of other studios had a face-off over who would get the film rights to make it. Winona Ryder was one of the people vying for the film rights, and she ended up partnering with producer Douglas Wick to land the project as a star vehicle for Winona. The movie was then stuck in development hell for five years as the filmmakers struggled to translate the uniquely written memoir into film language. Winona chose James Mangold to direct the film, having enjoyed his recent film Heavy, And a whole crew of 90s heavy hitters auditioned or were considered for roles in the film, including Reese Witherspoon, Christina Ricci, Claire Danes, Katie Holmes, Gretchen Maul, Kate Hudson, Alicia Witt, Sarah Polly, Rose McGowan, Parker Posey, Courtney Love, and Alanis Morissette. Winona was, of course, cast in the lead role with Angelina Jolie stealing the show as a supporting character. We are talking about Girl Interrupted. Yes, we are. (laughs) Content note, my friends, the following discussion will include mention of suicide, overdose, psychiatric hospitals, involuntary confinement, depression, and other mental health topics. Thank you so much for selecting this film, uh, a movie that is also very significant to me. Can you please give me a brief summary of your chosen movie in your own words. Spoilers are okay. A lot to unpack here. For those who haven't seen it, I would say like a sentence synopsis of it would be just like disclaimer. This wouldn't be the common thing that people would say. I would say that Girl Interrupted is a coming of age film about women who are suffering from mental health issues and the issues in the world that existed at the time when all this is happening that weren't necessarily dealt with in a healthy way. And we still struggle with many of those problems today that still aren't necessarily dealt with in a healthy way. It essentially is a coming of age film of people who are dealing with like severe issues coming together in an environment in which they essentially become a support system in a very dysfunctional way. That, I guess, would be like a sentence synopsis. Yeah. When I talk about the film, I try not to describe it in any kind of flowery way because I remember as a teenager seeing it in a flowery way 
almost like romanticizing it. Mm -hmm. And it's not a film to be romanticized. It is dark. It's scary. It's real. And it's emotionally exhausting. But it's very important. And it, it shines a light on a true story of something that someone's been through that so many other women have been through that just haven't been a- haven't been given the opportunity to talk about it. Absolutely. I think that's that's a brilliant summary. Yeah, I mean like more of a general sort of like if you were like, do I want to watch this movie? It's about it's about a girl who tries to commit suicide and she gets committed to a mental hospital and she then you know forges friendships and uh not friendships with other people who are in the mental hospital it touches on suicide it touches on self-harm and it touches on eating disorders and it touches on the dark sides of society and you watch a woman go through many phases of depression and i think that's the general sort of description Yeah. Do you remember the first time that you watched this movie? Like, where were you with who? I do. The first time I watched it, it was on a DVD, but I don't know where I got it. And I remember putting it into my laptop. So I must have been like teenager, teenager. I watched it alone and I was in bed and I didn't really know what the movie was. I believe I had seen it like scrolling through the TV on the TV. Like, you know, when I don't know if this is still a thing, but like, I guess TV guide. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. And then it shows you like the description of what's playing like each time of day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw that Winona Ryder was in it and I love Winona Ryder and I saw that Angelina Jolie was in it and I kind of don't think I really knew who Angelina Jolie was but I remember like recognizing that name and was like oh and then I also loved Brittany Murphy I mean the cast in general I mean we can talk about that later (laughs) but like the cast is so good anyway so I just remember seeing like bits of it and then I watched it and I have no idea that I was about to get hit by a truck so it knocked the wind out of me And I remember laughing and I remember crying and I remember gasping. I just, it it was just such a full body experience watching that movie and it floored me. And then I, I never stopped watching it. I just would watch it periodically. And I, you know, I've seen it, I've seen it so many times and every time I notice something different and that, that, so that was the first time I watched it. Do you feel like your response has changed? Like, does it still feel like it makes a huge impact on you when you watch it now? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It does not affect me the way that it used to affect me. Hmm. So the first time that I watched it, it was after I had been placed in a mental health facility for an extended period of time. Hmm. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie, the main character, we're not a writer, chases a bottle of aspirin with a bottle of vodka. And one of my favorite quotes from the movie is she's talking to a psychiatrist, I believe. And he's like, you tried to kill yourself. And she's like, no, I didn't. And he's like, you chased a bottle of aspirin with a bottle of vodka. And she responds, when a writer looks at him and she goes, I had a headache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. I just remember seeing that. And it was one of the first times that I was able to laugh mm. about what I did, like what happened, you know, because it's not, it's not inherently a funny thing trying to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not funny. It's terrible. And I remember just being able like it was like a breath I took a breath you know any asthma folks out there it was like hitting an inhaler (laughs) it made me take a breath it meant so much to me at the time and it still means a lot to me but it does not affect me the same way Mm. the first time I watched it and and thereafter many times it felt like a form of you know when you're with a group of people 
typically like your friends, but just a group of people that you feel like you can be yourself with. You don't feel judged. You feel like a sense of like belonging. That like is how I felt watching the movie Mm -hmm. because nobody understood. It felt like nobody understood what I was going through. I was in high school and I was like the freak because like people found out and I was gone for an extended period of time, months. And, and I felt just like such an outcast and so broken and so ashamed and confused and was dealing with all of those things, all of those like auxiliary things on top of still not being totally stable as a, like emotionally as a person. It was It was just a whirlwind experience for me at this time being a teenager. And that movie made me feel like, you know, not so much of an outcast. Yeah, I I fully relate to that because I was also hospitalized, not for attempt, but for thinking about attempting. They'll get you for that yeah. too. They'll get you for that too. <laughs> <laughs> and it was in, it was actually in junior high. Um, and then I saw this movie sometime after, but I would just like seek out like anything that was about being hospitalized. I was like, give me that. I want to be seen. <laughs> like, yeah, it really does make you feel seen. And it, and, but, and, you know, at one point, it turned into, and I would say this was probably not that long ago. I'm 26 now, and this was probably about six years ago. I watched it again, and it was different. It was like me seeing truly how I didn't want to be. Because at the time, it was like when I was a teenager and experiencing all of this, it was like, oh, that's how I am. And other people are like that. And that was the purpose it was serving, you know? Mm-hmm. And now it serves the purpose of like, that is not how I want to be. I have been there and I don't ever want to go back there. Yeah, totally. So the last time you saw it was, you haven't watched it recently. I did watch it recently uh, to prepare for this. And I really, I similarly have that feeling. Now it's just more of like a masterful piece of film for me because it it is, I mean, the cast is just incredible. You know, Angelina Jolie, Brittany Murphy, Winona Ryder, Whoopi Goldberg, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Moss, Misha Collins. He was in this show that I love, Supernatural, I think. Oh. I think. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I mostly only wrote down the women. Yeah, Misha Collins is in Supernatural. Just the cast itself is amazing and it, it it's done really well. And it is truly about women coming together and taking solace in one another. And now it's more like I can recognize those things. The fact that it's based on the author's story and she was able to write about it and share it. The fact that Winona Ryder like read the book and then fell in love with it from the beginning, wanted to... And that like that sort of thing is like what I can relate to, honestly. And the most recent time I watched it before I prepped for this, and this is very, this may, this is like very offhand, honestly, but like it honestly kind of reminded me of being in a comedy scene. Mm. Not just like, I'm not going <laughs> to say that like comedians are crazy. I mean, but like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, or that we all suffer from mental health issues, but it is like this sort of like camaraderie. Yeah. Like, there is an element of humor in this movie. Mm-hmm. There really is which I think is masterful to include that it's all honestly kind of how I try to do my comedy where I talk about my trauma I talk about my mental health problems but I spin it 
with like a comedic edge, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they have this group of women who have all these like mental health issues who are struggling, who are in the darkest place of their life, but they're poking jabs at each other. They're making fun of each other. They're cracking jokes, you know, about things that like are not funny. And, you know, there's this sense of yeah, camaraderie. And it reminds me of like being with like a group of comedians because at the end of the day, they are mostly other than like the like several points of conflict, they are mostly looking out for each other. And that reminds me of being in this the comedy scene that I've been in where it's like we all do have our own issues and we have our own things going on me especially I mean I just want to say that you're probably more open open not only about what you're going through but you're also open to healing like I wouldn't be surprised if people are like on the inside you know having all kinds of messes so I just want to say I don't think you're alone in that that's true (laughs) yeah no thank you I appreciate that I appreciate you saying that we are like it's part of like being a performer like tends to draw especially comedy tends to draw people who you know have been through shit and who are looking for something to you know to I mean laughter truly is it's savvy but truly it truly is the the best medicine and if you're you're not well and you're dealing with a lot of dark demons in your life like laughter is something that you can be drawn to if that's the kind of person you are and so I do think that being a comedian lends itself to attracting people that are being a comedian, I think can draw you to other people who are trying to make the best out of a bad situation. And so I know that like, you know, we are all poking at each other and we're all jabbing at each other and we're all doing roasts and saying terrible things about each other or whatever at times. But like at the end of the day, I'll still get like, if I disappear for a few days or something, like I will still get comedians texting me or calling me and are like, are you okay? Or like, if I make a joke that is a little bit too dark, other comics will be like, Hey dude, are you okay? Like what's going on? Do you need anything? Like at the end of the day, it's like people care about you. And even though we're all dealing with our own problems and it kind of, there is that element in Girl Interrupted where it's like, they're in this hospital and they all are super broken and they're, you know, kind of jabbing at each other and making fun of each other, but they are truly at the end of the day, there for each other, except for maybe Lisa, but yeah. I was just, that's perfect. Cause I was just going to ask you one of the biggest things that has changed in my viewings of the film from when I was a teenager to now in my thirties is my perceptions of the character, Lisa. What do you think of Lisa then and now? I've definitely thought about that. In fact, I was just thinking about that, getting ready to do this. I remember like being a teenager and at the time having mixed feelings about Lisa's behavior, because in the beginning I felt drawn to her because she's a bad girl, you know, like she's kind of mean and doesn't care. Probably similarly to how Winona Ryder's character, Susanna, was drawn to her. She's very charismatic, Lisa. She's very charismatic. The way that I feel about her character on a deeper level is similar to how I feel with people I'm drawn to, honestly, kind of like romantically. Like people who have this like really strong energy and this like powerful charisma that just feels like it just feels like it's it pulls me in mm-hmm. and it makes me feel like it, it's all it's it's like staring at the sun you know and I feel that way about her character because uh, there are a lot of people who are like that but she's really dark it's really she's a terrible person mm-hmm. the victim of mental health illness but she is terrible she's not a she's not a good person and I never that is that what I just said is something that I realized as an adult now. Mm-hmm. When I first watched it, I kind of felt elements of it. And I I will say that when she when they went and visited Daisy, up until they went and visited Daisy, 
I didn't feel much of a repulsion towards her. Like I didn't, I still felt like gravitating towards her character. But then when they visited Daisy and she was saying the things that she was saying to Daisy, it, it, I didn't understand how I was feeling like as a teenager, I didn't understand what the feelings were. But now as an adult, I understand that I was scared. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's a very scary way to behave, to, to manipulate someone in a way that you, when you're, because she's smart. Mm-hmm. she is a smart character again you know someone that I'm drawn to who's just charismatic smart but like has smart enough to know that they have the ability to destroy you and chooses to destroy you mm-hmm. that is scary mm-hmm. and and the fact that she manipulated she knew exactly what to say to Daisy to break her and she chose to say it and she broke her and you know Daisy killed herself and that to me at the time I don't think I understood as a teenager I think I knew like that's bad and I knew that it made me feel really gross and like not didn't make me feel good but as an adult now I understand like why that made me feel that way because it it is a very terrifying way to be and I think they did a really good job directing and writing and acting of showing like how scared like Winona's character was Mm -hmm. you know and the fact that she chose to call 911 and and the fact that at the point when Lisa started taking her like money like looking for her money and stuff in her room that's I think when you know her Winona's character was like I'm not I have to do something I'm gonna do what feels right to me and then like you know when her character like stands up to Lisa and they have the like verbal confrontation and everything again I think I knew at the time as a teenager that I identified with Winona's character in that moment but now I understand like why like I do feel like I could be someone and I have been someone who's been easily manipulated and has followed someone into that sort of path of being a bad person or, or whatever, or just kind of going along with something, even though it's not, doesn't resonate with who I am as a person and not doing or saying anything. And now I know that like, I want to be the person who does say something like the person who does call 911, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is so weird how similar we are <laughs> and the similar experiences we had in this movie. Really? Cause yeah, cool. exactly the same. And that was the big thing so well, when I was in high school, I I definitely had a crush on Lisa, but I had a really hard time like grappling with that, with like having a crush on her and then being like that scene where she kills Daisy, like she kills Daisy. Yeah. And then being like, how can I have a crush on someone who does that? And just feeling like not knowing what to do with that because it didn't make my crush go away. Like I felt horrified and disgusted and yet crush still there. Totally. And that would be foreshadowing for my romantic relationships. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And then watching it most recently, like I didn't, hadn't realized that until I rewatched it. And then I was like, oh my God, foreshadowing. And also like, she reminds me of like the last two people I dated that yeah, the ability to manipulate people. And yeah, I'm also very easily manipulated. I just want to believe that people are telling the truth and that people want the best for others because they're just like me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, it's, I will say like a lot of people are not like that. A lot of people don't tell the truth. A lot of people lie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people know that like there are people like us who exist and they, there's a certain amount of people that know that people like you and I exist and who choose to lie and manipulate and have it within themselves to do that to people like us. And it's, it's terrible. You know, it's, I think it's a form of sickness. Mm-hmm. I forget on writing what Lisa was like diagnosed with. Sociopath. Sociopath, right. And I, like, I wouldn't say this, all those people are sociopaths, but there has to be a certain element of sickness to be able to do that to someone. And I never really knew that. And it's something I've learned like pretty recently. Like I, I it's sick. 
it's a little bit sad. I was thinking about this too, because I also like you have this realization sort of pattern with when I watched it recently about like things that I, I didn't really know as a teenager when I watched it. I wish that I would have been able to see that, but I think it takes a certain amount of life and experience to be convinced that that's true because it seems like people like you and I, I would go to the end of the earth to to find out that someone wasn't that way if they could show me that they weren't that way because I don't want them to be that yes. way. Yes. I don't want that. I don't want them to be that way. Mm-hmm. And I am realizing that sometimes like when people show you who they are, you should listen. Mm-hmm. And it, it is that sort of sickness where it's like, if you can do that, if Lisa could do that to all of these people that she was around, like when she steals Lena's diary and it just when you can do that to someone there are things that are wrong with you like it's not just being a bad person and I'm realizing that like there's probably a lot more people out there that have that struggle with an undiagnosed mental illness than I realize or they realize or anyone realizes yeah I'm just like thinking about that thing you said I haven't thought of it that way I'll probably cut this out, but I just love what you said about like, you'll go to the ends of the earth to believe that it's not true. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Yeah, dude. (laughs) It's, I don't want to believe that someone can be such a monster. Mm -hmm. I want to believe that like there is good in this person. Yeah. Like finding reasons to like Lisa, you know, she says that shit to Daisy because she's broken, because she's struggling, because she, you know, all these things. And it's like, yes and no, these people do these things to you. I'm, and I'm sure that they have brokenness within them, but they choose to do it. And that's what makes you a bad person. Right. When you're smart enough to know that something that you're going to do or say is going to hurt someone else and you choose to do it, that's being a bad person. And choose to do it more than once. Yes. Once is a mistake. Yeah. Then there's patterns. And then especially when someone says like, you're hurting me and you continue to do it, that's being a bad person Mm -hmm. or being very, very sick. And I really am just trying to work so hard on just believing people when they show me who they are. Mm -hmm. When when someone shows me that they are the kind of person who can do that, I mean, you got to believe it. You have to believe who people show you like that they are. Yeah. Part of it for me, what I realized I was grappling with when I didn't want to believe bad things about people that I loved was that last part was actually the most important part is like it reflect, I realized I thought it reflected on me. Like how could someone I loved or I was in love with be so horrible? Like, yes, there are really horrible people out there, but someone that I love, no, I choose the right people, but that's something I've really had to come to terms with. Yeah, me too. Because these people are so good at manipulating, like it's not our fault. And then there's that element of, and then for me, I don't know if you relate, but for me, then there's that element of like, not just someone I love, but someone who who loves me. Mm -hmm. I think that these people can and sometimes do love us, but they're sick. They're just sick. Yeah. And it's, it's really confusing. I mean, and even like going as deep as like my mom, like I know that she loves me. Like I know that she did love me and she still does and, and all of that, but she's sick Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to grapple with. It would be, I think easier if I never felt like, and and maybe for you, if you never felt like these people may have loved or cared about you, that that's something that I am really still just trying to navigate. The perception of it for me has been 
love is not enough. And I haven't been able to, like, I always felt that, but I wasn't able to like articulate it until more recently of realizing like, it really doesn't matter if someone says they love you. And then like, you know, like Lisa does, they'll take your diary and read it out loud to everyone and just do their best to drag you through the mud and yet still love you. It doesn't matter (laughs) that they love you. Yeah, that's true. I want to try to retain that for sure. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Which is really hard because love is supposed to be special and important, but love is not enough. No, love is not enough. Isn't there a scene? I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there a scene where Lisa tells Susanna that she loves her? I'm not sure about love, but they do kiss. That's right. They kiss. That's yeah. They kiss. Another reason that's like a little bit more surface level that the movie really resonated with me and movies that tend to resonate with me, the movies that hit multiple marks, the movies that hit multiple marks where it's funny, it's sad, it's heartwarming, it's dark, it's scary, it's well acted it's well written and I personally identify with it like these are so many boxes that are being checked and those are the movies that I really do feel way more about when I watch yeah and especially movies that touch on really dark subjects but have an element of comedy I guess Mm -hmm. really are just incredible that's like my favorite thing I love it so much there's another scene in the movie where one of the characters I think is it Polly they're all I think they're in like a library or something oh Lisa's like oh like they think they're hot shit because they're a sociopath and then she turns around and she's like I am a sociopath and then Lisa's like no you're just gay yeah that's right she says the, Do you D, that? the D word yeah that was a, a character who didn't have a lot of lines that was yeah Cynthia was the character's name okay okay <laughs> yeah like I remember like laughing so hard not originally yeah when I first was watching it as a teenager but recently I started laughing because I was like that's so that's such a deep cut that's so funny (laughs) I mean who knows what her character was suffering with but to me I interpreted it as she's just like in this like mental health facility because she's gay oh yeah I didn't even think of that yeah so I was like (laughs) dude this movie is just like it's so good yeah well this has been a wonderful discussion on multiple levels is there is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with in regards to this movie or anything to convince them to watch this movie? I would say that if there's like younger listeners, watch the movie and take it with a grain of salt. Honestly, I feel like this movie is less for entertainment. I mean- As a teenager, I feel like it was less for entertainment and more for learning and exposure. And so I would say that if you're like a younger listener, then like take it as that, take it as like a learning experience and take it, you know, hold it at arm's length away, but also feel what you want to feel as a, I guess, just like any other person who wants to watch it. I would say that really just like know that you're getting into an emotional experience and I would struggle to think of a person that I know who could watch this and not feel emotionally moved. I know that there are some people that do, but I would just say, you know, know that it may bring up some emotions for you, especially if you've struggled with mental health problems like self-harm or eating disorder or suicidal ideation. Uh, It's definitely, it touches on all those things and it touches on those things in a really deep way. So know that. I would say if you, if you are a Stranger Things fan (laughs) and you're hearing about this movie, just know it's not that. It's not Stranger Things. (laughs) Um, But Winona is amazing in it. She's absolutely incredible. She's always been an incredible actress. Angelina Jolie's always been an incredible actress. Brittany Murphy, amazing. Rest in peace. I think watch it if you are interested in watching it for the things that we discussed. Um, If you're just looking for a movie to just casually watch, I don't think it's a casual watch. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
I would also say if you watch this movie and you have no emotional reaction, you might be a Lisa. <laughs> Get that you checked out. The survey says you're Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for being on and for selecting this movie. Really enjoyed talking with you. I do too. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Wait, 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 don't touch that dial. I failed my hosting duties and forgot to ask Mac for plugs at the end of the show. So I'm popping in to give you the plugs. Mac Ruiz hosts a comedy show every other Thursday at the Paradox Hotel in Santa Cruz. And she will be at the Savage Henry Comedy Festival, October 6th to 8th in Eureka, California. You can also follow her online on Instagram at It's Mac Ruiz. Now you already listened to the interview, so you already know that Mac is wonderful, but I'm just here to really drive that point home. I met Mac online over the pandemic doing Zoom comedy shows. She was on my Animal Crossing comedy show, New Ha Horizons, a number of times. I was on a storytelling show that she ran, and I was just always very impressed by how sweet and funny and genuine and clever and just a wonderful human being she is. So go check out her work, follow her. Your life will be the better for it. 